All right, where should I start? Where should we go? Uh, you know, we've been in this series, again, for like six weeks. Talk about the Holy Spirit. And usually when you tell people you're going to do a Holy Spirit series, what begins to happen is they begin to pick and choose the things that they've experienced in the Holy Spirit and go, well, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, and a lot of times when you talk about, let's talk about the Holy Spirit, you, you immediately get some people who go, oh, so we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, well, yeah, we will. Uh, but that, if, if that's all you talk about, that's like saying Michael Jordan only was a jump shooter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not, we're not going to be the church that tells the Holy Spirit he can only do one thing. And so we, we've been really, 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 really trying to make sure that we are giving ourselves a greater view of who the Holy Spirit is. But today, we finally arrived. We are going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit this morning. Anybody excited about that? Some of you are like, oh, no. Oh, no. Now I have to decide if I'm going to stay here or not. The gifts of the Spirit. I want, to talk about, I want to talk about the fruit and the gifts, but I'm not going to spend very much time on the fruit. Because you don't really have to spend much time on the fruit. Because the fruit is not something you tell yourself to do. The fruit is something that is produced in you to do. And so it's not really an issue of me going, you better love more. No, no, no. You need to know the Holy Spirit better. Because he'll produce in you fruit. And the fruit is a singular word. Did you ever notice that? He doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because it's a singular thing, meaning I can't have love for people and not also have kindness. And I can't have the peace of the Spirit and not also have joy. That, that those things exist together. When I take a bite of this fruit, I take a bite of all of the flavors. And so if I, now, there might be some flavors I get a little bit more than others. I get that. But understanding that, that the, the singular thing we need to know and talk about is that, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The, the, the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is all of those things. And it's produced. It's produced in you. As you commit your life, surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, you then are produced, there's fruit produced in your life. That's all I'm going to say on the fruit. You good? Everybody got it? It's amazing, isn't it? Okay. Because I, th I find that we, we love to try to get the outworking of something before we get the inworking of something. And so we want to get actions before we have faith. But James is not trying to tell you to get more action, although he is saying it should result in that. He's trying to tell you to have faith, trust God enough to do what God's asked you to do because there is, with faith comes action. But I don't need more action to get more faith. I need more faith to begin to act more. And I don't need more fruit to get the fruit. I need more Holy Spirit to get the fruit. So Holy Spirit's important. And so we've been talking through this series, and I, I'll just, let me just title it this way, Gifts, Grace, and Glory. Gifts, Grace, and Glory. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Gifts, Grace, and Glory. And I've got very little time to do this because I sang too long. And so we're going we're gonna to hit this fairly quickly. Today is, is about the gifts. I just want to make us, I want us to make a commitment today um, that you will all love your pastor after today. And, uh, and listen, let me just, let me say why I'm comfortable talking about this. Because gifts aren't the main thing. They point to the main thing. Gifts are not the main thing. They point to it. They, they are to tell you about something. And, and so when, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, if we make gifts the major thing, it's not the major thing. 
the, the major thing about the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. And he uses the gifts and the fruit and the discernment and leaders. All those things that the Holy Spirit does in you is to point you to Jesus. And not just you, but to point other people to Jesus. And so before we even get into the gifts, we have to talk about the main thing is that Jesus is glorified, that Jesus is lifted up through the things the Holy Spirit is doing in us. So my desire has been that we would become people who find more to agree on than disagree on. More things to agree on than disagree. And I would say that's a good lesson for our culture as well, that we would find more things to agree on than to disagree on. But what I've also found is that no matter how you do it, we are going to disagree at some point. But if you can handle the fact that even in disagreement, we can still agree on some main things, th then we can walk this thing out. I found that we divide over some of the just stuff that just doesn't, like, you know, you could love somebody, and then you find out one little thing, and it's like, it's over. Forget it. It's done. You go, what? We, we need to be agreeable uh, people. I remember driving through... Um, the country in Oklahoma. It wasn't really the country, but Oklahoma to me feels like all country. And, um, and uh, I was there for a year of college. I came back. I came back to the promised land as quickly as I could. And uh, no, no, you know, no hate on Oklahoma. It just wasn't for me. All right. And uh, that's the way of saying uh, I didn't like it. But, um, but I remember driving through uh, and I, I, it was late at night. It was like 9, 10 o'clock, which is some of you not late, but whatever. And I'm, I remember driving. It's dark. That's all I remember. It's dark. And I see this sign for a church. And here's the thing about my college experience, my one year of college away from home, is that um, I didn't go to church. Hi, Mom. I didn't go to church. When I went to college, I grew up going to church. But when I went to college, I didn't go to church at all. I think I went twice. And I went to two different churches, and one of them was one that I was like, eh, no. And the other one was like, oh, that was good, but I didn't go back. And it's why, for me, a real big part of who we are has to be about reaching people in their 20s, reaching people who don't have anywhere else to go, reaching people that don't realize church can be a good time, and church can be good, and church can be healthy, and can, and can be accepting, and can love people, and isn't judgmental, and, and, and we all got stuff we were messed up about right? We need Jesus so because we're all messed up. And, uh, and the church should be one of the most amazing places on earth where a bunch of people from a bunch of different places unite under one name. And, and, and so I'm just telling you, we got, we got 20,000 students in just within the Fort Worth area coming back to school like in the next week or two. So let's be praying about that during our 21 days of prayer, and then let's do, be intentional about reaching uh, those young men and women, man, because uh, I believe they are not just the church of tomorrow. I just don't believe that. They, they're not the music of tomorrow. They're not like the leaders of tomorrow. They're running the place now, y'all. Like, you don't look at a young guy, 18, and go, you know, someday you'll make it in music. No, you go, let's do it now. So we're going to be a church like that. He goes, oh, yeah, you'd be great in 12 years. No, let's do it now. Come on, let's go for it. Let's give them something to live for. It's greater than the weekend. Amen? Uh, both musically and on the weekend. And I remember driving down the street, and I remember seeing this sign, and it's a, it was a pretty conservative school that I was going to. It was a Christian school. It was a pretty conservative school uh, based in a pretty conservative denomination and one that I was not familiar with other than I went to a high school that called itself that but was not really like 
into it that much. And I grew up in um, uh, a pretty awesome home. It, the way we uh, followed Jesus was pretty cool. Like I never hated church, never disliked it, never thought it hated me or judged me. It was, I think I credit that in large part to my parents. But I, I, um, but I, uh, I remember driving down the street and, and conservative. So there's like a few guys around me that are really also very conservative in their beliefs and, and even their beliefs about the Holy Spirit. So I'm the guy that's like a bit like, yeah, all of the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're like, well, a little bit. And, um, and so uh, I see this sign and I go, oh, you know, if I'm not going to go to church, I should at least act interested in it. Right? So I go, oh, I wonder what that church is all about. Because it made me feel better about myself. Oh, I wonder what that, not like I was going to go, because I wasn't going to go. Because the sign was a little beat up. It was like, I'm not sure really like I'm going to go down. Because it was like down this road, you know, that church. It's like down this road. You're not even sure where you'll end up and who's going to be there. So you like, you go, okay. And, and I just go, I wonder what that, and someone says, no joke. Someone goes, oh, yeah, that one. And I was like, what? Do you, what? Yeah, well, there's rumors about that one. What do you, what do you mean? And this is no joke. That's the one with the snakes. And um, then I wanted to go. Uh, if you haven't grown up in church, don't worry about this. Like, just ignore this. Delete this from your memory bank. Like, yo, this is not, you know. But I remember going, what the heck are you talking about, snakes? And they, they, there's a there's very, very small minority of churches that, that have seen stories in the Bible. In fact, just one uh, where someone handled a snake and did not die. And, and then there's a verse that kind of alludes to that verse. And, and they use that to go, well, we should handle snakes too. <laughs> I know. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I also think that's weird. <laughs> so, so why am I saying that? Because I think sometimes what we do is we burn down, we cut down the tree for the sake of a branch. When what's really healthy for the tree is to cut off the branch and to keep the tree. And so why am I bringing that up? Because I want you to understand, I don't think the gifts are supposed to make you weird. I think they're supposed to make you relevant. I really do. I believe what happens in what we see in Acts is we see the move of the Spirit, and it makes them more relevant to the city and culture they live in. They're more emboldened. They believe in what God's given them to do. And so I want to talk about this because I think it really is important. And there's absolutely no way we're going to cover all this, so maybe we'll do it again uh, next week. But we are, and, and here's a scary word. Are you ready for it? If you've grown up in church, it's scary. If you haven't, then you probably don't care at all about this. And I've had this question asked to me, and they asked this question, are you a charismatic? Some of you already got some pictures in your head. You remember some old school video that you've watched. You just like, some of you going to go look up some YouTube stuff. In fact, some of you are doing that right now. Pay attention. Um, you know, like, it, it's, it, what does that word mean? Well, here's what the word charisma means in the Bible. It just means spiritual gifts. There's nothing else. It does not mean weird spiritual gifts. It does not mean, it just means spiritual gifts. Charismatic is a movement of people that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. So, but I grew up in a charismatic home. But please, understand something. My parents were the coolest parents of anyone I knew. Like, hands down. They weren't weird. They were not strange. They had people over all the time. They loved Jesus. They believed that God did things that we didn't understand. And yet, they were as relevant to the earth and to the people on this planet and the people in their neighborhood as anyone on, in that neighborhood. My mom throws better parties than anyone I've ever met. Like, truth, like, that's it. 
And I'm just, I, I, why do I say that? I, again, I'm just going to hammer this home. If you believe the spiritual gifts make you weird, then you're not really listening to what God says about the gifts of the Spirit. It actually makes you more relevant and powerful to, and able to reach the city that you're in and the culture you're in. Now, I'm going to walk through a couple things, okay? I'm going to, I have to, in a topic like this, that I, I have a, a CD set. Yeah, CDs. And I have a CD set of uh, uh, a guy named Rod Anderson, some of you would know. And it's nine CDs long, and all of them are an hour, and the whole thing is on spiritual gifts. I'm going to take the next 20 minutes and tell you everything you need to know. No, that's not true. Uh, so my challenge to you is to walk out of here and go, okay, let me really dig into this. So here's what happens in Acts. And we can't really hang out in Acts to explain the gifts of the Spirit because what we see in Acts is a demonstration of, uh, not an explanation of, if that makes sense. We see them active in the book of Acts. And so what does that mean? Well, Paul begins to expand on that uh, later on. And so we'll jump out of this. But in Acts 1, we see Jesus say what? We say, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. What does that word power mean? Ultimately, it means that you would receive special ability to do something. All right, special, not your own ability, special ability that was not yours until the Holy Spirit showed up. In Acts 2, we see the disciples begin to speak in other languages, which when you say the gift of tongues, what you're actually saying is the gift of language. I think one of the things that throws us off is the gift of tongues just sounds weird. It just sounds weird. Even if you know what it is, it just, even when I say it, I'll go, gift of tongues. I don't even know what the tongues, like multiple, like I'm going to pray in tongues. Like I have three of them. You know, like what does that even mean? It's the gift of language. That's what it means. That's what the word means. And so we see that in Acts 2. And then in, later in Acts 2, we see Peter begin to preach a message about how I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. And they're going to dream dreams and have vision. Okay. Then in Acts 3, we see them heal somebody. It's what actually gets them in trouble. We see in Acts 3, they begin to heal somebody. And then in Acts 4, which we referenced last week, we see the same church begin to pray that we would have boldness to share your name and followed by the gifts, not followed by gifts of spirit, but followed by signs and wonders and miracles. So we see from the jump in Acts, we see a church who is dependent upon the Holy Spirit doing things that we could not do on our own or in our own strength. That's what we see in the book of Acts. We see a church that exists in a place that goes beyond what they could do on their own. So we see the spiritual gifts in place. But it is not really the only thing. They, they don't just simply accept the gifts. They actually desire them. They pray for them. They seek them out. They're wanting to walk in them in power and strength. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through a few verses in 1 Corinthians. It will all be on the screen. But Paul begins to address uh, the gifts of the Spirit, not only in 1 Corinthians, but this is a big one. This is one where most people go. They go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. And yes, I'm giving you a lot of scripture today, and I hope you can handle that. I think you can. I believe in you. All right? 1 Corinthians 12. I've, I've got to read it. You just have to listen. Right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm, I'll just read it to you. You don't even have to go there if you don't want to. It's fine. I'm going to just read a few verses and then I'm going to close with one verse out of 1 Peter. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the, the special abilities the Spirit gives us. So now he's not writing this to the apostles. He's not writing this to only disciples. He's not writing this to special people. He's writing this to the church of Corinth. To anyone who is calling on the name of Jesus and believing in Jesus in the city of Corinth. He's writing this to them. 
and they have a question about the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness, right? That what, what is this deal with these special gifts and abilities you keep talking about, and we see some things happen, and like, what is that? What is the deal? So it's okay to have questions about this. But then he says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So while he understands you have a question about it, he does not want you then to live in that misunderstanding for a long period of time. Paul really desired for us to understand what the Holy Spirit would do in us. Jump to verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds. There's multiple gifts. We love to focus on one or two, but there are multiple gifts but the same spirit. So the emphasis is not on the multiple gifts. The emphasis is on that the spirit gives them all. And it's why we have to seek out the spirit. We don't seek the gifts. We seek the spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, everybody listen to this, so we can what? Help each other. I, God gave me a spiritual gift to help you. Not to prop my own name up, but to help you. And God gave you the same thing, a gift to help others. And all over this church this morning, we're seeing people operate in giftings. Because listen, let me just tell you something. Working with kids is a gift. It, now for a season, it can just be a sacrifice. But there's a point where we want people serving in their Gifts, that's what Next Steps is about. We want you to, uh, to discover some gifts that are in your life. It's a gift. And there's a lot of different ones. But it's the same spirit. And they're given so that we can help each other. I, I, I would challenge you and encourage you that if you're not seeking to help people, don't seek the gifts of the spirit. To one person, we're just going to read here. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy, which ultimately means communicating something that is hidden. Some would limit that to preaching. I don't think the Bible does that because it references preaching separately from prophecy. But I do think that that's part of it. So one of my gifts is to take what's in this word and hopefully bring out some things that have been hidden to you. But I also believe there are times, like at our men's night, when Steve walked over to a couple guys and said, I just feel like the Lord's saying this to you. you and it usually confirms and edifies. If you get a prophetic word that both is way out of whack and makes you feel bad as a person, it probably ain't the right thing to listen to. It should confirm and edify your life. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Thank you, New Living Translation. Speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It ain't up to you. It's up to him. So who do you seek? Him. Verse 27, now he gives a little bit of a, it continues on that train of thought. And then in verse 27, he says this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. So here he is giving a different list. 
He gave one list at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12. Now he's giving a completely different list. Some of them are similar, but they're not all the same. He said, some of you are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. That's a different list. Here's my belief is that the, the, the Bible is not exhaustive in its, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But it gives you an understanding that the Holy Spirit gives you gifts and lists several of them. Are we all apostles? No. Are we all prophets? No. Are we all teachers? No. Do we all have the power to do miracles? No. Do we all have the gift of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? No. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. That's like going into a restaurant and going, man, I, I would love some chicken fried steak. Well, what, and you get two sides with that. Okay, what are the sides? Chicken fried steak, chicken fried steak, chicken fried steak, chicken fried steak. That doesn't seem like that makes sense. We are all people who have different giftings and bring that to the table so that we can all present to culture and to the city a complete picture of what the body of Christ looks like. And so in our giftings, we do not elevate one above the other, but we all come together understanding that the giftings God has given us is so that we can all help each other walk in the giftings God's given you so that we can all be a people who reach the earth and see heaven on earth. Of course not. That wouldn't be any fun. That wouldn't be any good if we all had the same gifts. Now, he does not say that you can't have all of them at some point in your life. Paul is not of, a, of the belief that you are limited to one gift forever. It's like I, I didn't give my one-year-old son a gift and say, that's it. That's all you get. And when you turn 13 and are still wanting to play with little trucks and stuff, that's what you, and when you turn 22 and you ask for a truck, I'm going to give you the truck I gave you when you were one. You know, like, that doesn't make any sense. There are different gifts for different times. And I don't believe you should limit yourself to seeking one over the other. But here's where he goes. But now let me show you a way of life that is the best of all. Again, I think we limit the gifts to, to two. I think we talk about the gifts of tongues and the gift of prophecy. And because we don't know that we understand those, we decide we don't want the other 20. It's like going to a restaurant. Yeah, I'm thinking about food right now. It's like going to a restaurant and, um, it's like going to a restaurant and loving and having 27 things on the menu and sitting at your, the table with your friends and loving 25 of them. I mean loving 25 of them. But you tried two of them and you didn't like them. And so you said, I ain't ever eaten here again. We go, well, you know, Holy Spirit, I don't get two of those things. I get leadership. I get healing. I love discernment. I think that's fantastic. I love miracles. That's cool. Like, I, lo I love being able to, I love the preaching thing and the, the teacher thing. Like, I love all of those things. But, you know, the gifts of tongues and prophecy, I just, I don't like those. So, um, I'm not really into the gifts. The problem with that is everything we do as a body of Christ is gifted. And if we, if we love one of those gifts, we have to love all of them. Doesn't mean we have to understand them. It means just like 1 Corinthians 12 says, we can have questions about them. And maybe we don't really go after those as hard as some others. But the idea here is that, listen, God wants to give good gifts to his children. It starts with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, I told you I was going to read a few things. 1 Corinthians 13, because I believe this sets up everything. So he says all of this about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And he says to you, so you should earnestly desire or strive for the most helpful gifts because they're made to let you help people. 
1 Corinthians 13 begins this way. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, many of us would use 1 Corinthians 13, not many of us maybe, but there are those who would use 1 Corinthians 13 to diminish the gifts of the Spirit. That is not what he's doing. Paul is not saying to pursue love instead of the gifts. He's saying pursue love to inspire the gifts. That love is actually the foundation point that you must start at if you're going to operate in the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. He's not telling, there is no place in the Bible where Paul says you shouldn't go after these things. In fact, right after this love chapter that we all read in the Bible about, all we read at weddings, you know, love does this and love does that and love is this way and love is, and it's great for weddings, but it's not really meant for weddings. It's meant for the understanding of how do I use my gifting in proper place and in the proper way. How do I use that? Well, make sure love is at the center of it. And he says before the love chapter, what does he say? Earnestly desire. And listen to what he says immediately following the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Let love be your high, highest goal. All right? We're good with that. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. And then he throws in his favorite, especially the ability to prophesy. Isn't that interesting? So he says love, if you don't have love, none of these matter. But he doesn't say those don't matter. He's saying, desire these, make sure love's at the center of it, and then, hey, go after these. Love should be your highest goal, but you should also desire the gifts that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, you might read that and go, well, we're not supposed to do it unless this or that. 1 Corinthians 14 is in the context of church. When you get together as a people, in fact, you see it as he writes it. He says, if you don't have someone interpreting the gift of language, and I don't mean to major on this, but I think it's one of the sticking points for a lot of people. It says, if you don't have the ability to interpret it, don't say it out loud. He actually does not say, don't say it. He actually says, keep it to yourself. Pray that language, fine. And if nobody can interpret it, don't get up on a mic and say it. We love to, like, create lines around stuff, don't we? Paul seems to be a lot more open-ended. He understands there will be abuse of the gifts. But in fear of the abuse, he does not tell us to shut it down. He actually says pursue it in the right way. Go after it with the right motivation. And so First Peter, I want to close with this. And this is where gifts, grace, and glory show up. I know we've just read a lot of scripture this morning. But I think it's so important for us to understand God gives us gifts. He started by giving us the gift of his son. And when we surrender our life to his son, he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is that the gift the Holy Spirit would give us gifts. That he would do in us something we cannot do on our own. But some of you have the gift of leadership. And as you pursue the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you begin to see that thing more and more in your life. Some of you have the gift of healing. And, and as you pray for people, it just seems like more often than not, someone, something changes. Some of you have the, the, the gift of discernment. You can walk into a room and you can kind of go, all right, what's going on here? And some of you have thought that's just like this innate ability. No, it's most likely God's trying to use you to do something, to help people, to help each other. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this. 
God has given each of you a gift. I just want to stop there. God has given each of you a gift. Every one of us. God is generous. He's overflowing. He is a God who gives good gifts. Every one of you has been given a gift. Number two, great, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Others would say from his varied grace. The gifts of God are part of the grace of God. That God would not only save us, but set us up for what he's called us to do. Use them. Oh, this is good. Use them well. Use them. You can't serve anyone with them unless you use them. You've got a gift. It's because of God's grace towards you, you have it. Make sure you use it. But he puts a little, he puts a little requirement there. Use them well to what? To serve one another. So the gifts God's given me, I want to use them to serve the life and purpose of someone else. And there will I find real fulfillment. And then he says this. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everybody say everything. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. The gifts God gives should give God glory. The gifts God gives should give God glory. So here's why I want to challenge you this morning. As you go through this week, and we're doing 21 days of prayer, I just want to challenge you in this. Even if you have a question about it, like he addresses in 1 Corinthians 12.1, even if you've grown up in a certain way of thinking, uh, even if you still kind of go, well, that's, that was good, but I, you know, there's still some questions. Fine, that's fine. I would challenge you this week, encourage you this week, to make part of your prayer, God, show me what gift you've given me. God, let me walk in the gifts you've given me. And I don't think it's necessarily a singular thing. Let me walk in the gifts you've given me that I might help each other, help one another. And in helping one another, I would actually give God glory. I want your gift because of your grace for your glory. God gives gifts so that we could give God glory. Why do we do what we do? Why do we operate in the gifts God gives? So that God would be lifted up. So that Jesus would be known. So that we would see Jesus on every street and in every heart. Seeing what God does through you starts with surrendering to what God could do. Surrendering ourselves to who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. Would you just bow your heads? I want to pray.